Welcome to the Get Offset Podcast. My name is Emily. My name is Andrew. <laughs> and today is a, a very exciting day. We have Kathy Valentine, who's probably best known for her work with the Go-Go's. Hey, Kathy. Oh, hey. How, How are you doing? I'm doing good, thank you. I was, yeah. just, I was just letting that sink in. Yes, just let it sink in. It hasn't quite sunk in with us. <laughs> <laughs> So um, it's this is really exciting for me because I remember being like 10 and learning about the Go-Go's and just it being really exciting because <laughs> I just got a guitar. Oh, and I was just like watching VH1. I think I saw some old videos, maybe a behind the music. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I don't know when when you were 10. So but if, if it, behind the music was out, then. You're probably you're probably pretty young, so you you're talking about like after the heyday, after the eighties, you found the yeah. Go-Go. yeah 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 okay. I was ten in like um, nineteen ninety nine, so I might have been a little bit older when that was during the reunion and everything. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, I was still pretty new to the guitar and didn't have a lot of role models, I suppose. Well, that's so good. I didn't I didn't realize that. Um, I didn't realize that that we would have been like kind of in the orbit for someone that young, you know, so that I like that. Like a lot of females I talk to that are musicians and I love this because it just, I didn't realize at the time in the late nineties and two thousands, but they looked up to Avril Lavigne. Like she was the first female they ever saw playing guitar. And, uh, and it's kind of, kind of a cool thing that, uh, that this torch kind of just keeps getting passed on and that, you know, who knows who she looked up to, you know, we're probably, she probably was not even born when the Go-Go's were. So anyway, it's just kind of neat how the cycle keeps going. I like it. Yeah. It, it, I mean, don't get me wrong. I loved me some Avril Lavigne when I was, you know, that, that age, but uh, it is really cool. And I had parents who always just wanted me to listen to uh, what they kind of grew up with. Um, and my, so my mom was always cool. My mom, uh, she listened to everything from like Jackson Brown and that early countries, uh, country rock stuff. And then she ended up being a huge, um, like riot girl fan. So uh-huh. she loved Veruca Salt and Hole. And, uh, so I got quite a mix and I'm, I'm pretty thankful for that. Yeah, that's really great. I, I, I think, you know, I just did, um, I just did a big online event with Kathleen Hanna and it was so, uh, so cool to just have that generation that can, cause like you, she, but we were, she, she saw the go-go's and it really kind of crystallized a lot of things for her and, you know, made it, made it seem like something that was possible for her life too. Yeah. It's, it's something that uh, I would love to talk about more just in general uh, representation, um, but it's a little early to get deep into the topic. So, um, I'm going to ask Andrew, what's new with you, dude? What's new with me? Uh, good gravy. I feel like I'm always unprepared when you ask that question every week. I ask it every week. <laughs> I know it's something I, I really should see it coming. And yet somehow I'm like, Oh, Oh wait. Oh my goodness. Oh, it's my turn. Oh, um, what, what did I do this week? <laughs> time, time is meaningless, man. Time is but a figment of my imagination at this point in time. Um, time is distance traveled. No, this week I uh, um, had a little bit of work to do with the old J job. 
typical, typical, uh, but I'm rearranging my gear room just a little bit. Um, I am excited. I just pulled out a couple of my childhood skateboard decks out of the garage and as beat up as they are, I, they mean enough to me where I felt like they needed to be hung up on the wall. So I just hung them up last night in between a couple of my guitars. How'd you hang them up? Because I just, I have a skate, are there wheels on it still? Or is it just a deck? Just a Just a deck. Yeah, no. I have one from um, X Games Austin hanging in between my guitars on the wall. Yeah, I remember that one. Um, so I'm doing that. Uh, I got a new bookshelf. Um, one of my best friends from the Seattle area just moved to Minnesota. Had to get rid of some furniture. And as sad as I am to see them go, I'm also very grateful for the bookshelf. So. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I get that. I so. I envy people in Minnesota. I just think it's a great place. Uh, you, there is one major downside to Minnesota is, um, they don't, the summers, uh, no, if you go to a restaurant, order large Coke, they'll say, sorry, we only serve mini sodas. Ah, <sighs> <laughs> I remember being on tour once and being amazed because as I'd never realized on my other stops on tour in Minneapolis, uh, but we were there in the winter and the walkways that connected everything. I was like, how the heck did they do this where you could every just... single building? It's amazing. Unbelievable. And how I didn't even realize maybe because I was there in the summer before and nobody was doing it, but wow. Anyway, that's really cool. Yeah. That's my big, my big contribution to this combo. <laughs> <laughs> I love those skyways. I, I love Minnesota though. It does get quite cold. Great place. I think I've only driven through the corner of Minnesota. On your way to uh, Wisconsin? On my way to Wisconsin, yeah. Because a few summers back, I drove from Omaha, Nebraska, um, across to Des Moines, up through the corner of Minnesota, and then across, straight across in the heart of Wisconsin. Um, that was uh, – so I just passed right on the outskirts of Minneapolis, I think. Yeah, you should stop in sometime. I, I was – I was going to plan a trip there this year to see a, a girlfriend and her, her, her babies, but it's not, not a great time. We, we all know what happened there. <laughs> <laughs> Happy belated birthday to my dear friend, Lindley. She just had a birthday on um, the 13th. Oh, yay. Yeah. Once she and I had a, we went to college together and my birthday's on the 10th. Hers is on the 13th. We did a joint birthday party and cake. And um, the cake ended up saying, happy birthday, Emilou and Lucinda. And then uh, the friends who came, they just kind of like stared at the cake for a minute. And they, uh, at, at some point, were like, are you going to sing us happy birthday? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah. I'm like, wow. 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 I know it's the end of the semester, but wow. <laughs> and you well, had to make a girl feel loved. Well, and speaking of birthdays, Emily, your birthday was last week. Last Sunday, Mother's Day. Indeed. And how did that go? It went really well. It, my, my husband, Rick, set up a, a a big surprise Zoom party. So he video chatted a bunch of family and friends. And it was really awkward and really made me feel quite loved and good. And I liked it a lot. Um, he got uh, – he didn't make dinner. That's fine. He, he um, bought – he ordered a dinner that was really, really nice from – uh, Asadero and Ballard, highly recommend it. The it photos was... of that st- of that whole meal looked really, really good. Yeah, it was really good. 
Uh, I'd never had a tomahawk steak before, and I probably won't again because it just it seems indulgent. <laughs> it's a sometimes food. Um, but it was probably the best baked potato I've ever had in my life. And the asparagus, I've never seen such large asparagus stalks. They kept making me laugh. Now, rumor <laughs> has it there's also a petal involved with your birthday. Oh, right. Straight to the chase here. Straight to the gear. That's all you want to talk about. You just want talk to talk to about my gear. I do like talking about food. Don't get me wrong, but gear. So he got me the Cooper Effects Arcade's ambient version. It's pretty neat. So that's a new new pedal from Cooper Effects, and it's it's really interesting. It's more of a pedal platform, and then there are these little um, these little cards you put in, and they all have different effect types on them, and each has like eight different ty- effects. So I have the delay and the reverb. So I have eight different delays eight different reverbs. Each one has eight different parameters that you can control. Four of them are the same for each pedal and then uh, each effect. And then four are uh, different. And it's, it's a, it's a trip. It's a great pedal. I spent, I think I spent 30 minutes last night filming a demo just, well, I spent more than 30 minutes filming it. The demo is going to be 30 minutes just for the delay chip. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, I saw a picture of it. Um, I remember seeing a photo of it for the first time. Uh, a couple months back and being really thoroughly confused as to why someone had a keychain hanging on the top of their, uh, their, like the corner of their pedal board. And I, yeah. And it's, it's like if Nintendo made an effects pedal, like little game cartridges. Yeah. So, so Kathy, for you to visualize that it, it's just, it's a square pedal. And then there you, you insert at the, on the top, just a little like SD size or USB size kind of card. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, and I I would never want to take this on stage. I think it's a great pedal, but I'd be so afraid to have it on on a stage. I so just, what is what do you put what is the card holding? What information? It holds just, the different effects. So you you have a delay you can have delay, you can have pitch shifting, you can have reverb. So it controls what kind of type of pedal it is. And then uh, each card has eight different modes. So you might it has like a digital delay or more of a tape kind of delay. Um, and then you can you can kind of sort through those on the pedal itself. So you'd have to be like switching the card out if you wanted, or you would just have more. You would have different. You would have uh, several of the pedals. I think you would just pick which one you liked, but. Um, yeah. Okay. Or I guess you could switch them around, but yeah, it's kind of like, um, I don't know if you ever played with an H9 and how it can do like 500 different effects, but you can only use one at a time. No, I have not. I'm very, uh, I'm very old school and basic with my pedals. That's nothing wrong with that. No, nope. <laughs> it, it gets, it gets to be a lot for sure. <clears throat> yeah. But, uh, that's, what's new with me, Kathy, what's, what's up with you? What's, what's going on? Well, um, my daughter is 17 and she still gets to be a senior next year. So she didn't get ripped off for graduation and all that, but she, uh, she's finishing school and I'm been, I have a book out that came out. It was so exciting for me to, to not only be a first time author, but I was really stepping out in terms of not being just a cool chick and a cool band. I was going to go out on the road and do a 23 city book tour where I was going to play songs. And, you know, it was just kind of exciting to me because I've, I've realized that I just never really, I I always put all my energy and and time into 
my band, you know, pushing the band forward. And I was like, God, I'm going to just go out there and be me. And it was kind of scary, but really exciting. And then it all got canceled. So to take the place of that kind of promotion, I'm pretty much just like online promoting and, and, you know, feeding the social media beast is just such a job too. like, okay, yeah. I'm going to make this cool little video and oh, I'm going to do this flashback and this throwback and then I'm going to this and I'm going to that. And I mean, I get into it cause I'm kind of just like a project oriented, but, um, I'm, I'm getting anxious to kind of crack open a session and start making some music. And, uh, yeah. I think that's what I'm going to start doing. Cause I, you know, it's like, it just gets all just kind of, um, not being, I don't know, just, you feel like you're just, I feel like I'm pushing, you know, all the time. Oh, check it out. And it's still my job, you know? Yeah. But I don't know. So that's what the last six to eight weeks has been for me. A lot of, a lot of interviews and zooming and stuff like that and meeting people and this new way of meeting people. And it's been really cool. Cool, yeah. but I, but I, I also want to start writing another book. I'm busy. I'm just like, I can't believe how fast a day goes by when, you know, when you're kind of not going out and doing all the things you do in normal, like we used to do, you know, like it never felt like there was enough time in the day because you're just out doing all your errands and out in the world. And, and now it's like, you're not out as much and the, the day still just flies by. I look up, I'm like, crap it's 10 o'clock at night yeah no it's, it's it's really I really thought that things would feel like they were dragging mm-hmm. a lot more and I, I'm I'm sure for a lot of people it does I I I just keep thinking like I don't really understand how people who don't have hobbies are are living right now yeah well maybe they're making some new hobbies I hope so I hope so I really hope so like, I mean I I brought, got out all my jewelry stuff I thought I'm gonna make some really cool jewelry and um because I just have I could just collect old stuff and my I don't know I just I like the idea of it but my eyesight's gotten kind of bad so (laughs) it's like now I'm trying to I was online looking for like big like like lights with magnifying glasses that I could clamp onto the table because (laughs) I, I don't know even the readers don't work for like doing little teeny things with your hands no, so. they they make those little helping hands that have the magnifying glass and then the clamps, which I think would be helpful with jewelry. Yeah, so I want to do that, and uh, I don't know. Who knows? It, it's just I've enjoyed having – I've enjoyed it. I, I like being home, and I – it's not that I'm not social, but I like being with my teenager because she would normally be with her friends all the time. So we've had mm-hmm. some really good just hangout time that we probably oh. wouldn't have had. That's awesome. Yeah. So you got to make the best of it. I definitely resonate with the whole, like the day just disappears so quickly. It's uh, really funny. So I was listening to your book this week and the other night, uh, uh, kid went to sleep, family went to sleep and I just stayed up working late on a project and was listening to the, the, the audio book. And next thing I know, the sun's coming up and I was very confused. Wow. I, you pulled an all nighter <laughs> with my book. That's awesome. Yeah, it was about five thirty in the morning. Sun was starting to rise, oh, wow. and I was thoroughly confused and equally frightened because I had work at eight a.m. Uh, oh, oh. I, was, I remember seeing that message, and I didn't realize it was because you were listening to the book. That's cool. 
yeah, it's just I had the book on it, just made it easy to. I was doing chores around the house and working on a uh, a, a labor of love kind of project, and uh, it just kind of I looked up and I'm like, the sky is turning colors. I have not done any hallucinogenics. The birds are chirping. Right. I just this is not real. Um, so <laughs> wrap things up. Got my two hours of sleep. You just like triggered me with like back to the my hardcore days, like when I would be like up all night, not because I was doing productive, nice things, and um, <laughs> <laughs> and just that feeling of horror that like oh god, I've got to do something in like two hours, and I'm like just raw and uh, and uh, anyway, and the birds are chirping. Yep, <laughs> I, I, it doesn't happen to me very much these days, and. A bit more pedestrian as a human being than I was uh, in college, but um, yeah, I definitely threw me for a loop and wasn't really prepared for just how quickly time disappears. Mm. Yeah, especially when you're doing something that you're enjoying, which almost makes it sad. <laughs> right? It's I know. Like, it's go so go do a plank if you want time to drag. Oh my god. <laughs> If we could just like, if we could just have fun and plank at the same time, you know, life would be solved. <laughs> Get on a treadmill and then see how exactly how fast time flies. It does not. <laughs> well, it's been. I feel like I've been running for an hour, uh, three and a half minutes. What? I yeah. know. It's like if I want a three-minute song to sound like it's twenty minutes long, <laughs> I've listened to it all running. There you go. I think we've like solved life right here. Just, just. I feel like this episode is now just about how time doesn't exist. Time, it really doesn't. I think it's one of life's cruelties that time flies when you're having fun. I always thought that was such like a cute thing to say when you were a kid, and then I grew. I'm, now that I'm starting to grow up a little bit, I'm not that old, but it, it feels so cruel. You know what makes you know what makes time fly even more than fun is having a kid. It's like. You just blink and you're like, uh, what happened to the last 16 years? You know, what, what happened to this baby? It's like, and then you see it with your friend's kids too. Like you see your friend and like, wait, I thought your kid was three. Why are they, why are they 15 now? So kids make it go by really fast too. Even, it doesn't even have to be your own. Just looking at your friends that have them. It's, it's bizarre. Yeah, seriously. Like, wait, your kid's graduating high school? (laughs) Like, oh, man, I'm pretty sure I held that kid when it was, like, a week old. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, no, I find myself, like, if I'm excited for, like, something that's coming up later, I I find myself, like, I have to make myself not wish for the time to pass. For some reason, like, the idea of me, like, hoping for time to pass kind of bums me out. I don't know why. It's probably just the anxiety disorder. Huh. Well, shall we uh, jump into sponsors real quick? Yes. This week's episode of the Get Offset podcast is sponsored by Old Blood Noise Endeavors, who just released their new overdrive distortion pedal, the Fault Version 2. And it's got faders on the pedal. It does. It has faders for a three-band EQ. It's got a foot switch with a, two foot switches with two different gain stages. I I really like this this distortion pedal. I I, I figured I would because it's old blood noise endeavors, but uh, I'm definitely going to make room for it on my 
perma board. Now that's saying something because you only keep like five pedals on a board at a time. That's... Uh, less is more, less <laughs> is more. Actually, I, I might take this one pedal and swap out two pedals. So I might have a smaller board even. No, I, I love the design. I think they knocked it out of the park and me being just a very visual human and just I don't like screens. I, I just like knobs and the idea of having faders even on, on a pedal just sounds really nice in the sense of I can look at it, know immediately when I need to adjust based on what I'm hearing and just keep playing the show. I mean, that just sounds really nice. Yeah, no, that's that is nice. Screens make life difficult. I don't have any pedals with screens on my board. I don't yet, and I've been fighting it. But one of these days, I'm going to end up with uh, with a pedal with a with a digital screen. It's going to really throw me off. Yeah, probably. <laughs> well, anyways, um, I, all of that to say, old lead noise endeavors. You guys knocked out of the park, and we could not be more excited for you guys. Yeah, that was fun because the day I launched that pedal demo, I got a thousand subscribers on the YouTube page thanks to. Steve, especially Steve from Sixty Cycle Hum. What? 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 Yeah, it gave me a little shout out, and the next thing I knew, I was, I was, I had reached a milestone. Oh, that was that's so exciting to see like that milestone hit, and we haven't even been running the uh, the YouTube channel for that long. Relatively, I feel like that was a really quick jump to since a September, like mid mid to late September, when I was really mad at some guy who said that women didn't do gear demos. So I showed him. <laughs> well, <laughs> yay! That's, I'm I'm late to YouTube too. It's like for some reason I just I just never paid that one much attention. And it, it, of course, that's the one that's the most important in terms of actually building a brand or a, or a building a whatever you're trying to build. It just it seems pretty evident that the things I ignored are the most important things. So I'm late to the YouTube game too, and trying to build it up and you know just oh great another thing i gotta yeah. feed content to but you know when we're when we're out there trying to kind of create you know a vibe or a platform or just a, an engagement um thing that not only helps us find our niche in the world and uh, but you know it kind of just creates whatever it is we're trying to build it's so necessary yeah it it is important um I don't. I don't know if it's necessarily the most important, but it's definitely one of the bigger the bigger players out there, and it's it's a place that people should should try to be. I think probably. All of that to say, yeah. I I, yeah. I readily admit that the, my involvement in the YouTube channel has been relatively minimal, and so I would just like to take this moment to say special congratulations to Emily. You've put in a ton of hard work into this, and the fruits of your labor are showing. It, well done. Thank you. I did it all by myself. <laughs> no help or anybody, but <laughs> nobody helped me do anything. Uh, <laughs> that's a lie, but I think we all know that. I think my cat's about to start her own YouTube channel. She's sitting right in front of one of the cameras in the lighting rig, just staring at me, wondering why I closed the door. Aw. Yeah, well, she's fine. I don't and worry our- about her. Other sponsor for this episode is Lawler Pickups. Lawler. Based out of, based out of just south of here, Tacoma, Washington. Uh, they make the best pickups in the business is my 
humble opinion. And I'm really excited to try the new Blade Master pickups for Jazz Masters. Yeah, it's always good to have uh, a sponsor local here from Washington uh, or anywhere in the Pacific Northwest for that matter. Always really exciting to see that. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing but good things. Shop local. No, they're great. I mean, I've had their pickups in a couple guitars and they always just sound so good. So I need to uh, bust out the soldering iron today and, and swap those out probably or this weekend. What's the rush? You know, you know. I don't what, know. What well, is there, Rush? Is it the weekend? I thought, is it today, Monday? Does it matter? Yeah. Do we it even know? It, it, time is but a figment of our imaginations. <laughs> Play, that's a little heavy handed, but cool. I'll allow it. Um, yeah. So we've kind of talked a little bit about, um, about it, but Kathy has a, a book out called All I Ever Wanted. It starts at the beginning. And it goes basically through uh, your journey with at least the early stages of, of uh, sobriety and the first Go-Go's reunion. Um, but before we talk about the book, I just got to say, I, I loved this book. I started listening to the audiobook and I really liked it, but I needed to read it faster. So then I, I went over to the actual written copy because I'm a fast reader. Uh, I I can't believe this was your first book. It just it feels so well written. Thank you. I um. I really am proud of it. I have to say I'm super proud. It was, it was really hard. It's not like writing a song. I mean, the, the focus and the discipline has to sustain over years. And, you know, it, it was really challenging and there was times I wanted to give up, but it was important to me, not only because I, I think it's important for women to tell our stories, women and music that have, that have, had passion for music and that was what drove me even before I was a musician like so many of us music was you know rock and roll saved me just mm -hmm. like Lou Reed says and um uh so but I also wanted to be a writer and I thought well if I do a really good job on this book people will go oh she's not just the bass player in the go-go she's not just the musician and the guitar player in this band or the person that wrote vacation she's she's writes really good books too so it was important to me that it be good because i wanted i wanted to expand what people's um version of me was you know do you ever i don't know if you guys have ever experienced that but it and i it can be I'm not talking just about celebrity. I'm talking about just in your life. Like, you know, yeah. people just get a version of you. And sometimes you just, it can be weird to like, wait a minute. You, you'll, you'll be talking to someone that you think knows you really well. And you're like, wait, that's not how I am. You know, yeah, people, people pick roles for you. People pick roles for everybody in their life. And it's kind of hard to break out of those sometimes. Yeah, it can be. And I think it's important because then you start getting limited by other people's perceptions. And, you know, I, I've, I've been defined by the Go-Go's, which is awesome. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, ever not be grateful for that. I, I'm filled with gratitude. But at the same time, I have a lot more that I've done that I'm capable of. And, uh, you know, I don't really need everyone to acknowledge it. I don't really need to be recognized for it. But it's important for me that I do it and that I keep, you know, kind of offering evidence and for myself that... Hey, you know, so anyway, uh, I wanted to do a good job and I'm glad that I'm glad it's resonating. And I just want to make sure people understand that this is, you don't have to be a Go-Go's fan to get a lot 
out of this book and enjoy it. It's really about a musician. It's about somebody that loves music. It's a very human story uh, about obstacles and resilience and strength and family stuff, not being parented, making a lot of mistakes, not facing up to sadness, betrayal, abandonment, all kinds of fun stuff and not so fun stuff. And what we, our journeys that we can all relate and bond over. That's my totally. Yeah. Yeah. I felt that the storytelling in the, in the book was, was really strong and I, I enjoyed reading it. Um, I, I really did was loving the audio book, especially the, the little musical, musical interludes. Andrew listened to more of it than I did, but did you get the same, the same enjoyment out of that, Andrew? Oh, absolutely. I, for me, the, a lot of the, the material was a lot to, for me to process uh, and kind of just, okay, so this happened and then this happened and they're just, it's so emotionally charged, but in, the, in a really good way. It, I think the music gave me a really good chance to kind of recap uh, each of the uh, the chapters and the sections and the the chapters of her uh, of Kathy's life uh, in a, in a meaningful way. I think it broke it up really nicely, and I haven't really heard that used in an audiobook format before. I thought that was absolutely brilliant. It just made the experience that much better. I mean, as I said before, I managed to stay up till the sun started coming up just listening to it, and I, I did wasn't feeling tired. I wasn't feeling like trying, I was, I didn't feel like I was trying to force myself to stay awake. I was just fully captured into the story and the storytelling and the, it's just, it's a very human story. And I really appreciate the vulnerability that you put into this. Hmm. Vulnerability is a good word for sure. And that's yeah. not always easy. No, I mean, I, it took me a long time in my life before I could kind of cast off the, the, you know, oh, everything's fine. I'm strong. I'm not weak. I'm, I'm, you know, that's, this is who, that's how I felt I had to be to survive. Like, and uh, vulner, vulnerability is something I equated with weakness and weakness is like, you know, the injured animal that the, that the yeah. predators eat. <laughs> so yeah. it took me a long time to kind of embrace and be open and, and, and be in a way you're not really fully human. You really aren't. You know, if you can't, uh, be, you know, um, at least acknowledge to yourself, you know, that, that you're hurt or that you're sad or any of that stuff. So, yeah, it was important to me to get that, all the feelings on the page, whether it was something like what we're talking about or whether it was joy or, or exuberance. I just wanted those feelings on the page because everybody has felt those things everybody has worked hard for something and knows what it feels like to kind of move forward or get what you're trying to get and everyone has lost things and knows that kind of devastation and loss and everybody has felt proud of themselves or let their pride get in the way of things so I'm really glad to hear this and uh and the the music was something I'm glad you enjoyed that because I wasn't sure how I would deliver the music. I call it a soundtrack to the book. And I was really excited to do that because musically it meant I could do anything I wanted. You know, it it very much is like a solo album and you can get the soundtrack separate from the book, but, Mm uh, as a, as a download or you can stream it on any, any of the usual places. So, um, but I wasn't sure how to integrate it into the, the story. And I was 
really wanted to make it a part of the audio book, but I was worried. I was worried, like, will people be able to skip over the song? Will they be able to come back and listen whenever they want? And I found a great audiobook publisher that just was so into it. And it made me really, because it's almost like a podcast more than an audiobook, you know, in that there's also underlying music. Like when I, when I'm narrating about starting my first band, you, I found a cassette and I digitized it and you hear my first band in our second rehearsal, like playing underneath. And when I talk about, you know, like, practicing guitar and wanting to just get my Chuck Berry, I wanted to get that down. And I have a recording of me doing that. And so I, I tried to make it kind of an immersive with the music. Oh, oh yeah. Completely yeah. immersive. And I, that was definitely one of my follow-up questions is, is this going to be a soundtrack separate? I didn't uh, have a chance to look that up on the, on the interweb, yeah. but really exciting yeah. to hear that that's going to be available. Yeah, it is available already. And, um, it's, it's very different, you know, people that it's, it's because I thought of it as a soundtrack. It really meant that I could do whatever I wanted. And I would sit down, I would just look at my book. I'd finish the book and I, like a chapter would just jump out. I go, that sounds like a song title. And I had no idea, but I always wanted to capture sonically the mood of the chapter. Like if it's a chapter about the home invasion where I escaped death, you know, I yeah, wanted that, I, that blew my mind. Yeah. And I, I was and, so, so, I was so scared reading it and, and musically in the track that goes with that chapter. I think I really wanted to capture not only the, you know, and with beats and sounds like that ominous feeling and yet the confusion and, and the, the just feeling it just added to this utterly lost where I just didn't feel safe. I didn't have anything to, to get my bearings and musically I wanted to capture that. And so it was really fun because I could also make beats and, and just put down like sounds and, and, uh, bass grooves or guitar riffing and stuff. And, and sometimes do spoken, uh, chanting or not chanting like, but you know, I, I don't want to say like hip hop, but I had that, I had that, um, freedom to do whatever I wanted to get the, the sonic message across. Yeah. Oh, well, totally. I think, I think you do that very well. So one of the things that I was really struck by as I was listening through the book, um, uh, as a man and who really cares about the women in my life and uh, playing a supporting role for them and doing my best to encourage one of the things I found really, really fascinating was you said several times throughout the book, uh, about how the musicians uh, and your, the the male musicians in your life were always the supporting ones, and it was the media that wasn't. It was the the radio and it's, jockeys. It's, it's and, the yeah, the real the real musicians, the men who are real musicians for sure. Yeah, and the and I I didn't ever consciously realize that until I wrote the book and I started seeing a pattern emerge, and and I I, I have that kind of brain where I recognize patterns, you know, so. I was always looking for re repetition of things. And I just started noticing that, wow, throughout my career, guy musicians, who are all I had to look up to, we, in, in 1974 in Austin, there were no females in bands. There, there was some singers, but there was no women in bands. And when I saw Susie Quattro playing on TV in England, that's the whole reason that I started thinking I could even be in a band and have an electric guitar instead of being a, a folky or something. So, um, but I, 
the only people I had to encourage me were the guys and that were the musicians around Austin. And the pattern emerged from the time I started all the way up to even the book ends in 1990 when I get sober. And as a sober musician, I'm just like, okay, now what am I going to do? I'm, I'm not a go-go. What am I? I'm not, I'm not like a teenager learning guitar in Austin, Texas anymore. I'm, I'm a, I'm 30 years old. What, what am I about musically? And even at, at that point, it was like all the guys around me who are musicians like, Hey, let's just, let's do a band together. You figure it out, write some songs. We'll, we'll record with you. So I liked acknowledging that because women are always approached with the question about, you know, what, what kind of sexism do you deal with? And it's a really legitimate question. There's, there's very much a patriarchy all over society and, and culture. So it's a legitimate question and it gets a lot of, um, you know, it's a line of questioning that always comes up if you're a woman. So it was nice to be able to also acknowledge that. That there's good allyship out there. Absolutely. Support and allies. And I, I think that, you know, I think it's because, you know, if you're a musician or something, you know, you, what you really are going to, if you're in it for the right reasons, which you're probably going to attract those musicians anyway, I'm not going to attract the misogynist, you know, that's not what's going to happen in my life is, uh, and so they're going to be support. They just want, they just want somebody, they want someone that's into it. They want another uh, compadre who's into music. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I've, I've experienced a, a good amount of that as well. I've experienced it almost more, with um, this this gear channel, this gear review YouTube and the podcast, almost than I have in music because I think there's a stronger community of women now. But I, it, I love that there are groups on Facebook that I'm a part of that are women trying to support each other and lift each other up and promote each other and work with each other. At the same time, I haven't I haven't had a man hire me for a gig since 2000. And, 12 maybe and it's all been it's all been women who wow. who are interested in working with me and uh you know i i did take a bit of a break there in the middle and i mean i've had i've had men hire me for marketing and writing and those other things and like book the gigs with my band and work with us but i haven't had in a long time a a, a male musician willing to to hire me for for my work with guitar and that, that bothers huh. me a little. Yeah. 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 I get that. And I have to say, I, when, but when I was going to go out and do this book tour and I was going to play some songs from my, um, soundtrack and I was really struggling with it because what I did was all in my studio and, and had a lot of sounds. And so I wasn't sure how I was going to reduce it down to just me. And I was messing around with a, a looping pedal and, then I thought, well, I don't want to be dragging stuff all over the country. And so I decided to go to the Guitar Center and just see what there was in terms of little port. You know, it's been a long time since I, you know, took a, a little portable amp in my suitcase somewhere. And I thought there's got to be some cool new stuff out. So I went and checked out this little amp. And the, the <laughs> guy, I wanted to strangle him because he <laughs> takes it, he takes it and he takes it up to the counter, he gets his guitar, 
he plugs it in to, to show me what it sounds like. And then he starts like saying, and this is the treble knob and you turn this to do this. And then you can, you can do this switch. And I'm just like looking at him and I'm thinking, I, I was, I wanted to say, I have been doing this for 45 years. And <laughs> I mean, I, and I just like, Oh, I, I was, I was speechless and my daughter was there and she could see my face. She can read my face like a book and she could see me just getting more and more like going from annoyed to like slightly annoyed to more annoyed to, you know, just short of rage. <laughs> I will f- you up. <laughs> and I think I finally said, you know, I've been doing this since way before you were born and I know what I, I know how to get a sound. I know how to get the sound I want. And yeah, I know, I know what all those little knobs do, and oh my That's, god! So it's, they're it's, labeled. I can tell what they do. Yeah, you see, and, the gain knob is not a volume knob. It's a common misconception. <laughs> it increases the volume, Andrew. <laughs> so uh, sexism is alive and well at the Guitar Center, and you know. Huh. But I, I'm not going to – no, I'm going to take that back because that's not fair. It's not fair to label it to a, a whole place because I've seen lots of women working at Guitar Center. But yeah, man. but it's alive and well at, at, at guitar stores across the country for sure. Yeah, yeah. It definitely – it can be. I So I worked for Guitar Center for a couple of years, and I had kind of a mixed experience in that realm. Um, it That would differ – I worked at two different locations. And at one location, they hired a lot more women. It was very uh, – much more – empowering uh, kind of environment and whenever some of the customers would give um, any of my female employees shit like it was immediately like someone else was jumping up like hey you know what? i'll just go ahead and take care of this and i'll, I'll walk you out to the car if that guy's going to be like cat calling you while uh, you're checking them out uh, mm-hmm. the counter like that kind of stuff and so that was a really great environment the other environment um, was a little bit that particular location had yelp reviews about how bad it was And I only worked there for a short period of time before I left the company. I was just really thrown by like, really? This is normal to talk to? She clearly knows what she's talking about. This is – it just really kind of hurt my brain um, to stand back and not being able to – I mean it's not my sale, so I don't get in the middle of someone else's sale. It's kind of rude as a salesperson. At the same time, I almost want to be like, yo, dude, that's not okay. <laughs> but I mean there's – I I definitely agree. I'd be very hesitant to brush, uh, to, to brush with broad strokes because there's a lot of great people in that company. And that there's so many people that um, have worked for and currently work for Guitar Center that I think do it a really yeah. excellent job on this front. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't want to call them that mouth as a company, but I was I was astounded in in Austin, Texas, where we have like amazing female musicians. Like, why you would assume that, especially a sixty year? Why would a sixty year? I mean, okay, I don't look sixty, but um, why would somebody? Oh my god! Anyway, so um, the other place you get it is like tech, like you know, people assuming that because I'm a woman, I I don't know how to dig into my Mac and. Yeah. You know, like if I've called anyone for help, it's because I've tried everything, you know, including the forums. I know how to, I know how to troubleshoot. I know how to fix things. I know how to, yeah. and yet they'll start with the very basic stuff. And you're like, I know, I know I've done that. I called you because I've done that. I've done that. I've done that. And I've done that, you know, so. Yeah. 
start the no. call. So here's what I've done. I've turned it off and I've turned it back on. I've updated this. I've updated that. I've looked at this. I Googled this. I tried this. I tried this. And that's exhausting. <laughs> Like, whoa, okay. All right. Okay. All right. I, uh, one of the reasons I started modding my own guitars though is because I was so sick of taking it into text and just getting talked down to about like the changes I want to make on my own instrument. So I, I feel that really heavily and personally, my favorite, my favorite is still, if you go to buy some cables and then the guy says, are you sure these are the cables he wants? And you're like, I'm who? He? (laughs) (laughs) Mm. very good very good you see cable capacitance is uh this is that copper that that oxidant i don't know i don't even know the copper doesn't have oxygen in it it allows the treble to pass through better that's not real science (laughs) (laughs) i get it with this uh, i get the the look when i get my 11 gauge strings you know for my strat and they're just like like, how can you play those? And I'm like, because I, I freaking shred and because, uh, you know, I, uh, they need to withstand my shredding hands. I'm sorry, you know. No, sorry, it's, my hands are just so strong. <laughs> sorry, you're so weak. <laughs> <laughs> I feel personally attacked because I put nines on strats. <laughs> well, but so does, so does, uh, yeah, no, there's, there's a place for, for that wobbly too, but for live. Doesn't, doesn't Billy Gibbons play eights? Billy plays, I was just going to say, Billy likes them like spaghetti. Mm. No. I'm not, I don't actually feel attacked. I just kidding around, but elevens uh, <laughs> are great. Um, I just have, I feel like I'm wrangling an animal every time I'm playing them and it's not bowing to my will so hats off to that well i'm also i'm a lefty so my left hand it's like if i don't have something really like cables underneath it because my because i play right-handed so i need to i they need to stay in place they need to be able to withstand that mighty left hand gripping that those uh those notes on that That makes a lot of sense 1962 strat I have a 62 strat, but I, I don't, um, take it to gigs much anymore for a couple reasons. One thing I, I, I thought somebody had walked off with it once and I just went psychotic ballistic and it was, uh, it, it was so bad that I thought, why I don't ever want to subject myself to that. I mean, I literally was like an insane hysterical person and it, it hadn't been walked off with. I found it, but just that feeling. So. Well, there's that, but I also I also had uh, I've I've gotten really attached to a, another guitar and uh, and um, the other this the beloved sixty two was in an accident and the neck cracked it didn't crack like off but it it cracked a little and it's I feel like it's not um, staying in tune as much so which breaks my heart if it's but what are you gonna do. I I would hope that would be fixable. I I don't know what else to attribute it to. I've taken it to every person in town and said, mm-hmm. this guitar, you know, I could take that whammy bar and just like all over the place and it would still be in tune. And now it's like I can't even play a few chords and it feels like it's out. So it's, I'll, I'll keep trying. I'll keep taking it places. That makes me sad. Hey, me so too. if you're listening to this and you're a master luthier, Paging Mike Adams. Mm-hmm. Right. Mike Adams would be a good guy for that. Um, he loves Fender so much, and he's a phenomenal tech. 
Well, this guitar is is spectacular. And, you know, it it would be, I would definitely still play it at gigs where like I'm in town and stuff. But um, Mm -hmm. yeah, the tuning just doesn't seem to be working for me anymore. Oh, that is heartbreaking Mm -hmm. to hear. Yeah. That's okay. I have a super cool uh, uh, custom shop 70, I think 70 issue, reissue. Oh, it's really good. I like that one. It was given to me by Craig Ross, who plays with Lenny Kravitz, as a thank you because I introduced those two, and nice. it's, it's, it's been Craig's like long term gig for you know others come and go, but Craig is always at Lenny's side, and uh, and so I got guitars from both of them as thank yous, and they're Aww. like two of my greatest not to be name droppy but i'm super proud because i i'm a matchmaker if i could get paid for being a matchmaker i think that i would have such a great career like i just knew i knew that that was the guitar player for lenny and i went i like went to bat so hard to 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 match them up so Mm -hmm. absolutely nothing wrong with name dropping i mean these people are your friends yeah, I know. I it also, wanna... it didn't. It didn't feel name droppy. I feel like there's like a way to to talk about other celebrities that feels name droppy, but I didn't get that vibe. Yeah, and it's like you know, it's if it's cool. I, these are like little cool stories, and I think people would be more interested in knowing about them than me keeping it a secret because I'm scared of what someone thinks. So, mm-hmm. you know, and it happened. That's how I was in my book. You know, I was. I didn't want to be name droppy in my book either, but. You know, things happened and they were interesting. So, yeah, names were dropped. <laughs> names Gosh, were dropped, I, indeed. Yes, they got to be dropped. Drop some names. Drop them like they hot. Um, let's see. I had a couple more more questions. I do want to go back to, to something you, you were talking about when we were talking about vulnerability. There was a line in your book that I both understood um, very viscerally, and it also made me sad. But um, it was after you asked your dad for money to help with uh, buying some musical equipment. And he said no. And you had that line, feeling hurt doesn't help anything. Yeah. And like on one hand, I, I mean, you can say that's true. You can say that if you, you got to take that feeling and then transform it into something productive because to dwell on it really doesn't help. But feelings don't go away if you ignore them. And, uh, which is just therapy 101, I think. Yeah. And, uh, I, but I feel like a lot of, a lot of people in music in general have felt that at different parts and for different reasons. Um, but do you still feel that way? Do you still think that feeling hurt doesn't help anything? No, no. I mean, that happened when I was 16 and, uh, uh, my whole way of, of coping, my, my feeling as a young person was that I, my job was to take care of myself. Nobody was going to do that. My dad wasn't in my life. My mom was overwhelmed and wasn't equipped to be a parent. So my job was to take care of myself. I was, I was working. I was earning money by the time I was 10 years old to buy toys. I mean, that was my job as far as I was concerned. And I just, feelings got in the way of surviving for me. And my the way I compensated for needing to to keep going and to survive was to anything that that kind of interfered with that got shoved aside or stuffed down. 
But no, I've, I've not been like that for a very long time. Uh, I just, when I wrote, I would tried to really write from that place I was writing about, like, you know, that 16 year, I wanted to get those feelings across, but I also had the advantage of being able to offer reflection and insight of the present and being older now. So, so no, but, uh, many times through my, uh, my time as a teenager, adolescent, young adult, the feelings were just something that did not keep me surviving and going forward. That's just mm-hmm. how I, that was my coping and how I, how I moved forward. And, uh, yeah. but no, not anymore. I, I'm, I, I, I would, I'm sober 30 years. I would die if I didn't acknowledge my feelings. I don't have anything to, I don't have any. And I also think, I think that we tend to do what serves us, you know, until it doesn't work anymore. And so everybody, everybody does what they need to do to feel comfortable in their skin. And sometimes it's healthy and sometimes it's not healthy, but it's serving a purpose, whatever we turn to. And speaking of cats, mine is sticking his butt in my face right now. They do that. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, when it stops serving us, sometimes we move on to something, a a more healthy way of Mm -hmm. feeling comfortable in our skin. And sometimes we just move on to another addiction or another uh, escape. And that's part of the journey of being a human. It's part of our journey. It's like, uh, and hopefully we learn how to replace our coping and our, and what makes us comfortable. Cause being human is pretty darn uncomfortable. I always say animals are a lot better at being animals than we are at being people. <laughs> that's cause we just try to stop being animals. <laughs> exactly. So mm-hmm. I, I hope I answered that well. And, you know, I was, uh, I was determined, you know, I, I thought I've never asked my dad for anything, so maybe he'll help me with this. And he, you know, he was just trying to be who he was in his book. Nobody made, he, he said, and he said, girls don't do this. You need to go to college. And I'm like, you've never been in my life. And I've asked you for one thing and you turned me down. So I, I was, had an attitude, but in a way he was just trying to be, you know, a normal dad. Yeah. So, so all good. I, it just didn't stop me. Nothing stopped me. I just got a job like I had always done and saved up my money. Yeah, that's true. It didn't, nothing stopped you. You, I, I, I still can't, I was shocked when I read that first one of the, I think it was one of the first lines or something from the bio that talked about how, uh, the Go-Go's were the first band of all women who wrote their own songs and played their own instruments to have a number one album. And they were also to date the last. The only, I was, yeah. I was flabbergasted. I, I could thinking of all of the, the great women musicians out there, but yeah. There's a lot of great musicians and there's a lot of, uh, a lot of bands, but in terms of like, you have to stick together for long enough, uh, and you're, you have to be and the timing has to be something. And it depends what, what your thing is. It's like, you know, some bands aren't trying to have commercial success. You know, right. if that's your deal, if you want to have commercial success, then you've got, you know, you've got to look at your songs because it doesn't matter if the club's sold out, you know, and, and you've got a write up in your local paper. If you don't have the songs, that are going to take you to a mass audience, then that's going to be the deal, which is a great deal. But 
I just haven't, I, I think there haven't been that many female bands that maybe that was their goal to be, to be commercially internationally successful. Cause the Bengals yeah. were, the Bengals were, the Go-Go's were, and then some really good bands have come along. Uh, but you know, maybe just in terms of, of kind of having that timing, it's all so much of it is luck and timing. Yeah, and there are also just so, there are so many more mixed gender bands I can think of who have come close to to success. I think, like who, like oh gosh, I had a list the other day in my brain. I was making it. Um, yeah, it's hard when I when I get asked flat out. I get, I get. It's like um, when you were saying, um, "What did you, what have you been doing?" It's like my mind goes blank. <laughs> people are always like what are you listening to and i'm like uh nothing no it's not true but of course i'm listening to something but i get, my mind just blanks out yeah i was like it's like it's one thing when i'm laying in bed and can't sleep i'm like well let me make a list of something in my brain and then it's just gone <laughs> oh. do you guys want to talk do you want to talk about gear oh what yeah let's talk about your gear all right you guys um so I'm like I said before I'm super old school. I and uh I I just got my first pedal board like 5 years ago, my first oh, wow. one ever. And uh <laughs> it's it's hard because I'm a left-handed guitar player that plays right-handed, but it also means I'm a left-footed pedal stomper. Mm. But only I I've I've managed to train my right foot to stomp on the pedals, but I can't do a wah-wah pedal with my right foot. Oh. I, I have to do it with my left. So my pedal board was very challenging because they, I had my pedals for the, on the board for the right. And then I had a cable that ran across like to the other side of the uh, mic stand for my wah-wah pedal. Um, Cause I didn't want a big long thing in, in front of me with a big empty space, you know? Right. Right. And, and all I, all I use is a, 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 a drive a tube screamer a tuner and uh, a delay that's all i have on the right for my right foot and then the wawa which i use a lot so uh i was like finally i've got a pedal board somebody figured out how to do it where it could be split apart uh and i was i was like oh why didn't i do this it's so much it's so much easier <laughs> what was wrong with me and uh and then I started showing up to gigs and I, it's so funny. I kept thinking like there was something wrong. Like I, I borrowed my other guitar player's amp for one gig. I'm like, there's something wrong with your amp, but it's losing volume. It sucks. And we go to a club and you know, I'd be on my amp. It's like, there's something wrong with your electricity, man. It took me like six gigs to realize that I had a short in my pedal board. So, uh, oh, yeah. no. Yeah, like, because I kept thinking, of, you know, because I wasn't used to it, and and I hadn't been using it for that long, so I'm just like, it's the electricity in the club. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, sometimes it is the electricity in the club. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I've had everything happen. Like, I've played so many freaking gigs in my life that there's nothing that hasn't happened. So um, at the last gig, I just very quickly had to deconstruct my pedal board and I haven't put it back together. So now I'm back where I started, but that's, that's my big gear story. And it's probably really disappointing, but I, I've been messing around with, a. Uh, do you guys know who Jackie Benson is? She's a, a guitar player here in Austin. 
She's really no. great. Check her out. She's so good. And um, she, we were talking, because she does everything by herself, her and her robots, she calls it. And uh, she turned me on to a cool looping pedal that it's called an Infinity. And I've been messing around with that a lot, just still trying to sort out how I'm going to do something on my own. Because I've always been in a band, but when I go out and and do stuff, I want to incorporate storytelling, talking about my life, playing songs, and I don't want to just be sitting there with an acoustic guitar. At the same time, uh, I don't want to I don't want to just sit there with a looping pedal either. I just want it to be uh, kind of uh, like variation and what fits the song. I always want to do what fits the song, and I think that's important with our sounds, our gear, our pedals uh our instrument what we the notes we choose to me it's always about the song what serves the song what makes the song shine and that's kind of been my my operational mode for my entire career i do feel like that's something that that gets lost a lot with um the idea of a, a lot of players they want to have these enormous pedal boards that like i just wouldn't want to lug around because of the size like a pedal, five of the pedals you use once in the set or, yeah, it's really cool to have a pedal that does a very weird thing, but does it serve the song? Like I have pedals that I love and I try to use them and sneak them into a gig and my singer will turn around after a gig and be like, I didn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, I'll take it off the board. <laughs> but some, and then, but sometimes she'll be like, I really, really love that. And that, that makes the experimentation worth it. Yeah, and I figured people that had a lot of pedals in a big pedal board, I always figured that's what they were using it for was to serve the song. Like this this song, this one song, the chorus really needs to have this open swirly sound or something. Mm -hmm. And and I, I could see that. I just I just um I've never gone there or needed that much variation, but uh I that's what I assume, but I'm sure just like anything, there's players that just want to you know kind of play they're just playing around with sounds which yeah. can be it can be great for a song but it can also distract from the song so i just yeah. think that should always determine where where you use and where you don't use and it, yeah. i was i use that for writing my book too having that having that lifetime of experience where it's really all about what you leave in and what you take out that's art you know, that's what makes yeah. you the, the artist you are. And that's true for sounds, true for notes, true for lyrics, um, chords, you know, do I really need that chord there? It shows what a, what a awesome chord player I am, <laughs> how many cool <laughs> chords I know. And it, it, but is it enhancing? So I, I like to be efficient and, and mm -hmm. really keep things I mean, I don't know. So it helped for writing the book because so much of the book was like, what do I leave in? What do I take out? Yeah, it, it felt like a, a concise read in, in a good way. I mean, it, it, it didn't seem like there was a lot of superfluous stuff in there at all. I, I, I can't recommend the book highly enough. Like, to, to anyone who's listening, like, do the audiobook. I recommend the audiobook. It was really great. Now, Thank I you. do have a I do have a follow-up question to the book. Is Towards the end, you talked uh, a little bit more about um, some spiritual experiences, and I it, you left it fairly vague in the book uh, and open to some interpretation. It, uh, being a spiritual guy myself, I wanted to ask a little bit more uh, if you had anything further to add on top of that, uh, what that journey's looked like since 1990. Well, for me, I, I was raised uh, without 
religion in my life. Uh, my family, uh, well, I should say my mom, and then as later as I started having a relationship with my dad, they're academics, and um, uh, I was kind of just left to figure it out for myself. And and as a mom now, it comes up often, but I think for me, spirituality is really about um, compassion and uh, getting outside of myself, service. I, I'm a big believer in action, uh, and what you what you say and do is way more important than what you, I mean, what you actually do, you know, is more important than what you think. I think that you can, uh, humility, I just think there's cornerstones. It's really what I wrote in my book are the same things, humility, uh, compassion, and caring about other people and being of service whenever possible are, are the cornerstones of my spirituality. And, you know, the thing I struggle with the most that I need the most is making time out every day for it to get quiet and whatever my concept or anyone's concept of God is, is to just quiet my mind, to have that connection with a higher power or God or away from the chatter of the mind, which is usually centered in ego and fear and, um, you know, anxiety and stuff. So that's kind of it. It's very nebulous, but it works for me. I don't need organized religion to follow a path of spirituality. Yeah, I like that. I really appreciate you sharing that. But I also understand organ. I understand wanting to to be a part of something. You know, I do, I'm not saying that it's not right. Oh, for sure. I um, I certainly didn't take so it that. So I way. just want to be clear. Like I, I don't I don't th- yeah I don't have anything against uh, people that find those same things in a in a within an organization. No, I, I definitely agree in, in with what you say about. Uh, how what you do matters so much more than what you say. And I, I would even go as far as to take it as uh, what you do often belies whether or not you believe what you say. Exactly. Uh, and I, a lot the values that you share are a lot of the same values that I pull uh, from my religious context. And I, whereas this is a gear podcast, I know I'm a little off topic here. I, I do think it's a very important part of your story right at the end there is your uh, really kind of processing and coming out of that stage of your life. And I, f- I found that part to be very profound and I really appreciated that. Yeah. Thank you very much. I, I, I thought it was, it was key to the story and, and also, you know, it illustrated how the protagonist of the story, who is me, comes out a very changed person, you know, cause that's what, that's what classic storytelling is. You, you have a, a main character in a memoir, it's the writer, and you start out one way, you end up very different, and you go through uh, loss and hardship and obstacles, and that's the journey. So good. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I, I did do that. And, and the spiritual awakening was the, the big, the big um, change for me. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, Andrew, did you have any questions, other questions or things you wanted to talk about? Uh, from the book or just in general? Uh, I could, I could go on. I think that one of the, I think I'll leave it with just stating a, a, um, a an appreciation uh, for, I know I've been saying a lot of things like I really appreciate, but I, uh, the book was so 
really well done that it left me with just not a, a whole lot of uh, appreciative thoughts. Uh, but something that we talk about in the show semi-frequently is mental health. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I really... I think you did a really great job of portraying what your journey with that has been. I think is one of like the, the subplot lines is what your journey was with mental health from an early age and general uh, self care too. the, the self care, the processing of trauma, uh, the recognition that it's okay to not be okay. Um, those sorts of things as they cropped up the story, I just found myself going, yes, yes. Yes, and I'm always going to be a fan of anybody and anything that is able to talk about uh, mental health in a a positive way, in in a way that I think I think it's really helpful for other people to hear as well. Um, yeah, other people who are going through things like that. It's always it's it's the same reason representation and seeing Susie Quattro or any other woman like Wendy Melvoin or someone live for the first time and being like, oh oh shit. I can do that. I feel like it's the same thing with like hearing about people's well, self-care, mental health, the things that they've been through, sobriety journeys, to know that you're not you're not alone in this world. Yeah, I agree. I really I think that's why it's important that people are are willing to to share their stories and I I see it all the time. I see, you know, even on social media, I'll see somebody just kind of open up and say, Hey, I've been going through this and how just so many responses that they'll get from people saying like, Oh, thank you so much for, for sharing that. It's so, it's just, especially now more than ever to feel a human connection is essential for our survival because I don't know how we will go forward as, as a society or as a species if we don't start to think about that human connection rather than what's good for me. What's good for me. Yeah. Well, it's been really good to connect with you. Human to human. Human to computer to human. Yeah. We could just ignore the computer part of it. That's what they want you to do. Andrew. Are you trying to tell me that birds aren't real? (laughs) Kathy, are, are you aware of that weird meme? That uh, birds aren't real because I think I'm a little too too old for it, but Andrew seems to be right in it. I'm surprised I haven't because um, no, I don't know the birds aren't real meme, but I'd like. I'm very curious now, <laughs> Andrew. I need you. I need you to explain it. Andrew. All right, all right. So strap yourself in. This is this is going to be an interesting one that I was not. Get your tinfoil ready. Get yeah, your tinfoil really. hats ready. No. Uh, so when the uh, pandemic started hitting, it, people. When presented with tough life decisions uh, or situations, often find ways of explaining things in fantastical ways. And other people also like to explain things in fantastical ways in an effort to poke a little bit of fun at the people who legitimately mean so. And where this falls on that spectrum, I'm not really sure, but there's a little bit of it. Is it parody or is it real? (laughs) Right. Like, wait, did they actually... Do they, they don't actually, uh, Just explain, the, explain the birds, explain the birds, the, the birds, the birds, the birds, the birds. Um, there's a group of folks on the internet who started trying to spout out the, well, we're all in mandatory quarantine and lockdown because the government is trying to change the batteries of the birds because birds aren't <laughs> real. They're surveillance tools. Any wow. mention of birds in the history books that's been fabricated now that the technology is available 
and they're typically solar rechargeable. But now that Elon Musk has created better batteries, then they need to swap them out for longevity. Wow. And it's, That's, that, I almost like, like this one. It's so, it's so <laughs> out there. It is so out there. And, you know, wow. I, it's just mind boggling what people can actually think. It really is. Wow. My, my I hope that, that one's is, parody. I hope it's parody. I think it's, I think most people know how dumb it is, but, is like, it but you know what? there's people that believe it. There has to be There's people well, that believe it. There's that flat earth house in Denton, Texas. Like, I know. I love the guy that like, because he thought the earth was flat. Like he went up in his like weird little contraption and then, and then like it crashed because the earth wasn't flat. Yeah. That's a contender for Darwin awards. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. My, my, my running joke that uh, I've been sharing with as the quarantine has gone on much longer than expected is like, well, guys, the government's trying to change like Sure, if we had a private institution do this, it might have taken two weeks, but it's the government. They're incredibly inefficient. Of course, they needed to extend the deadline to change the batteries in the birds. <laughs> Amazing. <clears throat> uh, over time and over budget. Um, is there anything else, Kathy, that you want to you wanna give a shout out about or, or mention? Because um, we want to be respectful of your time. Uh, yeah, I'll, I, I should probably jump off pretty soon, but I, I would say that, you know, if you're interested in getting the book, please try uh, indie bookstores before, I mean, nothing against Amazon, but they're not hurting. Indie bookstores are. And a lot of them uh, have signed Kathy Valentine books and they will happily ship to you. So even if there's not one in your local town, there's, there's bookstores all over the country and my social media on Facebook um, Instagram, I'm Kathy.Valentine, Twitter, I'm Kathy underscore Valentine. And I'm always trying to put out info of, uh, stores that are struggling that are offering books. So I want to say that and then check out the music. And, uh, I like to engage with people. I like hearing from people. I, I do all my own stuff and, um, that's about it. I, I love talking to you both. It was really, really cool. I, I'm just, I feel a little bad that I didn't have more gear to like uh, blab about, but it's no, it was plenty of gear for like, we started <laughs> as a guitar gear podcast and really quickly pivoted. <laughs> yeah. There's enough people talking about gear all the time. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, uh, I don't go to like the conventions or all that stuff, but I'm, a, there's a guy in town. I'm going to give him a plug Durham electronics that I, I love. And I, I, I also, um, he has this cool, crazy horse pedal. I'm going to stick that in there because Ooh. that's the the one. And it's all like, it's the crazy horse pedal. It's for that Neil Young sound. And, nice. um, and, uh, so I want to plug him because that's my go-to when I do want to try something or get something modified or just go in and say, Hey, Hey, you know, hey. what can I use for this? So that's it. Mm. Nice. Well, uh, to everybody listening, check the show notes for, for links to Kathy's social profiles. I'll drop some links to the book um, from some independent bookstores that are meaningful to me, but check out your own as well. Um, please take a minute to leave the podcast a rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us. Uh, we also have a Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash getoffset for $25 a month. I will write you a song. I owe our good friend Noah Barnett a song because he is our newest 
a patron at $25 a month. Woot, woot, woot. And I got to look up. There's somebody else who just joined. And I'm going to look them up really quickly. Paul. Thank you so much, Paul. Thank you, Paul. We appreciate you. you and your contributions to the show. You're part of what helps yes. makes this show possible. Mm-hmm. We have for fuzz sake merch available. And it seems to be shipping again. Um, at getoffsetpodcast.com. And uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for understanding. Until next time, I'm Emily. And I'm Andrew. Goodbye. Bye. One, two, Bye. Three.